Have you ever stopped and taken a moment to appreciate the holiness of God? We're doing that today on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. You are in a category all by yourself. You are so high and lifted up that we cannot even begin to touch and fathom the greatness of your name. You are holy. And welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, president of the Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today we're getting into part two of Mark's message, The Holiness of God. It's a lesson that really peels back the layers of just what it means for God to be holy and why this trait is so important to our understanding and appreciation of who God is. Today's lesson comes from our series called Deeper Beyond Shallow Spirituality, and we're going to be looking in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. At the end of the message, Mark will join me here in the studio, so stay tuned for that. But right now, let's go ahead and get started with today's message, The Holiness of God. King Uzziah decided that he was going to offer sacrifice or incense on the altar of incense right in front of the Holy of Holies. He decided in his mind he was big enough, great enough to do so. So he took a censer in his hand to burn in the altar of incense. And the Bible says that he walked down, marched down the streets of Judah, probably with his entire um, escort around him, the governors and everybody else making a spectacle among the people, letting the people know, I am great King Uzziah. I will go into the temple. No other king has done this, but I will. And he marched right into the temple. When Azariah, the priest saw him, he said, stop, you're not allowed to do so. 80 courageous priests stopped him and said, King Uzziah, with all respect, you cannot offer incense. The Bible tells us, look what it says. Verse 19, Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn the incense, became angry. And while he was raging at the priest in the presence before the altar of the Lord's temple, have you ever seen someone go into a rage? Spittles are being shot all over the place. The voice is strained, eyes bulging out. Uzziah in front of all the priests proclaiming, pounding his chest, how he is the king, how who are they to stop them? That does, do they know that he could have them all executed and that God has had his hand upon him, that he is worthy to do that, that who are they to stop them, that he is the king of Judah, that if God wanted to stop them, God himself could stop them. He's gonna do it no matter what they say. Indignant, powerful, that's what pride does to us at times. And the Bible says that he pushed through the priest. He went to the altar. Verse 20, verse 19, while he was raging in their presence before the incense of the altar, something happened to him. While he is red-faced, screaming at the priest, declaring how high he is and how no one can stop him, suddenly the faces of the priest begin to change. They begin to whisper to one another. Some of them look aghast at him their mouth open. And then Uzziah himself feels something distinctly different about him. He reaches and touches his forehead and probably most likely a piece of skin falls off because as he was speaking to the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Do you know what leprosy is? Thank God it's a disease that we don't 
struggle with in North America, but there's still some leprosy colonies in places like India and so forth. It's a disease that eats away at the vital tissues of your body. Fingers fall off, toes fall off, chunks of skin become so corroded and and eaten away that they begin to fall away. It was a deadly degenerative disease. And as he was raging in all his pride, leprosy broke out on his forehead and all of them saw it. And then he realized what had happened to him. And the Bible says that they looked at him and saw that that he had leprosy on his forehead. And so they hurried him out. And I love this phrase, phrase, and indeed he himself was eager to leave. Get me out of here, okay? You know how Uzziah ended his days? They built a separate home for him. No longer in the palace. He no longer sat on the mighty throne that he was used to sit on. He no longer gave orders and had great processions in which he could display his mighty robes and have people bow in front of him. He no longer uh, brought in the nations from the outside to come and talk. He no longer celebrated great banquets. He no longer dressed in great royal robes to entertain international hosts from afar. He no longer appeared in public before the people. He no longer strutted his prideful kingly self. Now he secluded himself. Within a decade, he died a disfigured man, disgraced and full of leprosy. The nation had been hit by the disgrace of their king. The people had been influenced by his pride and they also worshiped God, but had other gods and did not give God the reverence that he deserved. So now 15 years after this leprosy incident, Isaiah is praying in the temple. It's a downtime. It's a discouraging time. It's a time where the people aren't flocking to the things of God, where There's a mediocrity in the air where people have God, but they have other gods. Isaiah is discouraged at the beginning of his ministry. And I believe that God in his almighty knowledge knew what Isaiah needs, what this mighty prophet of God needs is he needs a fresh vision of who I am because he will never call the people to repentance. He will never be on a mission. He will never revive. He will never speak with conviction unless this image of who I am is implanted in his spirit and he understands that I'm much bigger, much greater, much higher than the vision that has been portrayed of me. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Isaiah says. And then he goes on to describe his vision of God. I saw the Lord. He was seated on a throne, high and exalted, a brilliant being seated within a throne that indicates sovereignty, authority, and superiority. You see, it's the throne of God that dictates the affairs of man. 
It's the sovereignty of God that rules over the universe. There is no power greater than God's power. He elevates kings and puts them down. He raises nations and bashes them down. He is God Almighty, King of kings, Lord of the universe. There is no one that equates to his power. Kings rise and go, he endures forever. He is sovereign over all. I saw him high and lifted up and the train of his robe, the overflowing train of his robe, fluttered down from the throne and filled to the entire temple where we where Isaiah was at. And he says, and as I looked at that throne, I saw some beings. They were called seraphs, angelic beings. Uh, seraph is a type of angel that means like, brilliant, glowing. And these seraphs had six wings, it says. With two wings, these seraphs were covering their face because our eyes behold, our eyes behold glory and the glory of God is too unfathomable for us to behold. So with two wings, they covered their face to shield themselves from the glory of God. With two wings, they covered their feet because it's your feet that walk on the ground and your feet are always a symbol of of the lowly, dirty part of you. And so two wings covered their feet and two wings covered their face. And with the two other wings, they flew around this great and mighty throne and their voices called out to one another in a thunderous noise that their voices made that literally shook the doorposts of the temple and the foundation of the temple. Have you ever heard a noise that would shake? a house or rattle windows. If you've ever been around an earthquake or an earth tremor, that's the kind of vibration that causes, or if you live by the L. And as these angelic beings spoke loudly to one another, they said to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All of the earth is full of his glory. And then as soon as one said that, another angelic being would echo back to them and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the earth is full of his glory. And as soon as that angel finished, another angel would call out and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the earth is full of his glory. And the smoke of the splendor of his glory filled the temple so as the one mighty fog machine filled the temple with the brilliance of this being seated on the throne and the echoes of the angels around him declaring his glory. Holy? Why holy? See, God has a lot of attributes, doesn't he? They could have said, love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty. They could have said, grace, grace, grace is the Lord God Almighty. They could have said, kind, kind, kind is the Lord God Almighty. Faithful, faithful, faithful is the Lord God Almighty. Knowledgeable, knowledgeable, knowledgeable is the Lord God Almighty. Powerful, powerful, powerful is the Lord God Almighty. Why holy? In Revelation, the Bible tells us that the, the angelic beings say the same thing. Holy, holy, holy. What is it about holy? What does holy mean? Why is it that they call holy? What is so important about the characteristic of holy? Most of us, when we say the word holy, we only have this vague, generic idea of what it means, but we can't really define it. 
If you look at the Hebrew definition of holy, it is from the root word to cut, to cut, to cut out and separate. God is holy because he is a cut away and above from every other being. listening to Bold Steps Weekend, and Mark Job will continue his message in just a moment in Second Chronicles chapter 26. And if you've come to appreciate the bold biblical lessons of this teaching ministry, why not become a bold partner? Your monthly financial support will help cover the cost of bringing this practical Bible teaching to you every week. We rely on our partners, so no question about it. So if you'd like to become a bold partner and start helping other listeners discover the same biblical teaching, go online and sign up at boldstepsweekend.org. That's boldstepsweekend.org. Or call us at 866-535-5580. Once again, 866-535-5580. Now, a quick reminder that if you decide to give $30 a month or more, you'll get a 50% discount off the entire Moody Publishers catalog, and that's huge. Half off all of our Bible studies, Christian living books, DVDs, children's books, and more. And with a gift of any amount, you'll also receive a copy of this month's Bold Action Gift, which we'll tell you about later in the program. Right now, let's continue today's message. Once again, here's Mark Job. He is wholly unblemished by himself in a category that cannot be equated, that cannot be rivaled. It speaks to the character, his unblemished brilliance of of character. We are taught to pray by Jesus when when we speak the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. What does hallowed mean? It means holy is your name. We are taught to pray, our Father who art in heaven, your name is holy. It means your name is set apart. There is no other name like your name. You are unlike any other existing being. You are in a category all by yourself. You are so high and lifted up that we cannot even begin to touch and fathom the greatness of your name. You are holy. And it is out of that holiness that his love flows, his grace flows, his kindness flows, his mercy flows, his everything flows out of the holiness of God. When God loves, he loves like like you have never known because his love comes out of his separate, his love comes out of his holiness. When God says he loves you, he's not like a 17-year-old boyfriend that says he loves you. No, no, his love is much bigger than that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the earth is full of his glory. And you see, it's the holiness of God that reflects his glory. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the radiance of his attributes. It's the shine of his character. And as Isaiah was exposed to the glory and holiness of God, as Isaiah exposed to us, the Bible says that Isaiah had a reaction to it. And I want you to see the reaction when he saw him and he heard them, verse four, at the sound of their voices, the doorpost thresholds shook and the temple was full of smoke. Verse five, it's the reaction to God's holiness. And I said, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. 
For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Let me tell you what happens when you see God, when you have a fresh vision of God, when you have a vision beyond just the man upstairs or little baby Jesus. I run into people that still say, well, I'm praying to little, you know, the, the, the Hispanics say, Jesusito, you know, little baby Jesus, almost as though you're praying to some divine baby. Listen, I want to tell you, Jesus is not a divine baby. If you read in the book of Revelation, you see he's got a sword in his mouth. He comes with power and might and authority. He comes as a conqueror. He comes as the victorious king of kings and lord of lords. He is not this this innocent little creature. He was born that way for a season on earth, but he is the victorious king of kings and lord of lords. Remember that. And when Isaiah was exposed to this in the temple, the Bible says that he saw this vision of God's glory. And I want you to see his reaction because he did not immediately go to worship, which would be a proper response. He didn't say, let me get the other high priest so that he can see this as well. It wasn't a response of curiosity. It wasn't a response of inspiration. It wasn't a response of worship. The response to God's glory was one of brokenness and repentance. He said, woe is me, I'm ruined. You're ruined? Because at that flash, suddenly, Isaiah saw the contrast between his holiness, God's holiness and his sinfulness. You see, you'll never understand how sinful you are and how much you need to be fixed until you're exposed to the brilliance of God's glory and character. You see, a lot of us don't think we're that bad because we keep comparing ourselves to our neighbors. And there's always a neighbor worse than us. How about it? Yeah, you know, I got issues, Pastor. You should see, you should see the guy next door. Man. That guy, he needs, he needs God. He needs church. You know, I got my issue. I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. I try to do right, stay out of, you know, not do too much bad, not hurt people if they hurt me. I try, you know, I, you know I'm human. I, I get that all the time. You think God grades on a scale? You are in the light of his holiness. It's God's character and his holiness. That's why the Bible says that none is good enough to come to God on, our, on his own. That none of us, we've all, fought, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none of us that our own merit can make it to God because the standard is God's perfection. The standard is God's holiness and we all fall short. Isaiah said, woe is me for I am ruined. He saw his own sinfulness and then he saw the sinfulness of the people around, around him and he says, and I live among a people of unclean lips. You see, he realized that he needed cleansing. Here's what I want you to understand. Most of us walk and don't think we need renewal because we haven't had an elevated vision of God. Spiritual renewal starts with a new vision of God. And then you'll begin to realize, it, going back to the caving illustration, uh, we would get really, really dirty going in these caves. But when you're in the middle of the cave and the, and the lights are dark and all you have is a flashlight, you don't realize how dirty you are. 
But when you start getting to the mouth of the cave, when the sunlight starts hitting, we would look at each other and say, wow, we're really dirty, aren't we? But we never noticed how dirty we were until we came into the light. Yeah. Hear, hear me well, hear me well. Some of us, some of us never know how much we need to change because we're not that close to the light. We're not walking into the presence of his holiness. The more you walk closer to God, the more you realize how much you need to change. Isaiah saw, woe is me, I'm ruined. He fell on his face before God. I can imagine him shaking and weeping before God saying, I'm ruined. How can we ever survive? I'm sinful. I live in a sinful people. Oh, what can we do? I need to be clean. I need to be clean. I need to be washed. How can I find washing? The seraph saw where he was at. And the Bible says that the seraph flew over to the altar and took coals from the altar that were burning hot, that animals had been sacrificed to and brought them over to Isaiah. And as these coals were burning hot, he placed it upon Isaiah's lips. Now, there's several things that that is symbolic of. I think, first of all, you cannot find cleansing except from the altar of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus. But the other thing you need to understand is that purification is always painful. There's no such thing as purification without pain. You see, when God starts cleansing you, when you start turning away from things and you repent before God, it's painful. Conviction is painful. That's why the cave of the entrance of Christianity 101 is full of people that don't go deeper because to go deeper requires change and sometimes pain. The Bible says that they touched his mouth. And as soon as they touched the mouth, it touched my mouth and said, see here, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. When you experience renewal in your life, when the fire of God is burning inside of you, when you have said no to stuff and begin to release stuff, when you're walking in God, when his presence is real, then you will be able to say, here am I, God, send me. And now we're willing to be used of him however he wants to use us. Amen? Amen. What a powerful passage of scripture, Isaiah 6. Like Isaiah, true spiritual renewal begins with a new vision of God. Mark, thanks for bringing this to us. Absolutely, Wayne. You know, this has been true all throughout my life. Uh, there are seasons in which I have to be exposed again in a fresh way to the presence of God hmm. because it stirs within me an awareness of my own personal need for purity. Yes. And that's what happened to Isaiah. He saw the glory of God, the holiness of God, and it drove him to say, God, cleanse my mouth, cleanse my heart. I need greater purity. He was broken. He was broken. And, and what do we learn from, from his example? How can we respond the same way? You know, we learned from his example, he was in a day and age where society, by and large, had shrunken God to a, a God that they could manipulate, oh, a I God see. that they could control. Yeah. But Isaiah had to once again 
realize and establish, no, this is a God that I have to submit to, not a God that I can control or manipulate. It's a God that I need to surrender to. Yeah, he's beyond me. Yeah, and so I think what we learn from Isaiah is when we're exposed to how great and holy God is, our response is purify me, God, and then here I am, use me, Lord. And you know, if you and I are going to move beyond shallow spirituality, as Mark has titled this current series, we're going to need to dig a bit deeper. There's a tool we'd like to place in your hands that can help with that heavy lifting. It's a book from Gary Chapman titled, God Speaks Your Love Language, and you'll be blessed to learn how to both experience God's great love more personally and express it to others. This book is full of practical wisdom, and we'll send you a copy to say thank you for your gift in support of Bold Steps Weekend. There are two easy ways to give, online or on the phone. The phone number to give your gift is 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. And we're happy to send you a copy of God Speaks Your Love Language for your gift of any size. And you can give that gift online at boldstepsweekend.org. boldstepsweekend.org. Before we go, I want to give you a quick reminder that if you haven't done so already, go and subscribe to the Bold Steps Weekend Podcast, where you can listen to these messages anytime and anywhere you go. Just open up your podcast app on your mobile phone and smart device and search for Bold Steps Weekend with Dr. Mark Job. And another exciting addition we've made to our Bold Steps outreach is a 60-second program called the Bold Steps Minute, where we share a quick and meaningful portion from Mark's insightful teaching. This unique one-minute program is a great way to weave in some additional biblical teaching to your busy day. Check it out by visiting boldstepsminute.org. Well, as believers, we all have an old nature, and we can easily be pulled away from our faith by dangerous distractions. So next weekend, we'll look at God-given warning signs that are in place to help keep our spiritual life from breaking down. And I hope you'll join us then on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Jones. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.